Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So when it comes to COVID-19, how safe is air travel? This is a common question I get asked all the time. And it's really interesting because we have some data on this, not nearly enough, but enough to really have a good conversation. So let's do that now. Recently, um, there was a study of a of a long haul flight, about 18 hours. Ugh, it gives me the hives just thinking about it, from Dubai to New Zealand. Now, the locations are important because New Zealand has a very aggressive quarantine policy for people who land in the country. So it's like a 14-day mandatory quarantine. So during that time, people are surveillance tested for coronavirus. And so it's a pretty controlled environment, probably a really good environment to do a study on airplane transmission. So during this flight from Dubai to New Zealand, there were, it turns out there was an index case, a person who was infected, or it might even be two people out of seven who were infected when they boarded the flight. And we know this by looking at the epidemiologic data that happened afterwards, after people started testing positive. Ultimately, a total of seven people tested positive while they were in quarantine in New Zealand. And what they found was the genetic lineage of that virus was the same in those seven people. So most likely they were sharing the same virus. Now you can only find that out if you do genomic testing on the actual virus. You don't just do the, you know, Cepheid gen expert PCR test. You have to follow up with actual genomic sequencing of the full RNA. And they did that in this case because the New Zealanders are crazy about that stuff. So in that case, they were able to say, okay, they all came, the virus all is the same. So in this cluster of seven people, where was the transmission occurring? So they went back and realized, okay, they were sort of required to get screened before getting on the plane with testing. It turns out the guy who was, the guy or girl who was positive before getting on the flight, there was an error. It was presumed that he tested negative 48 hours before getting on the flight, but it was actually four days prior. Now, this is interesting because that means that that negative test, whether it was a false negative or something else, or he got infected after that, was not enough screening to prevent him from boarding that plane with an asymptomatic at that time case of coronavirus. Um, the others got tested as well. They were negative getting on uh, and got on the flight. Now, all of the people were sitting in aisle seats within the same four rows on this 18 hour flight. So they were relatively close to each other, but they weren't necessarily all in the same row, but within four rows. Now, why is this important? Well, it turns out if you're gonna be on an airplane, it is one of the safest, a modern aircraft is one of the safest places to be from an infection standpoint or a ventilation standpoint of any confined space. And the reason is modern aircraft use HEPA filters to circulate their air. HEPA filters capture very tiny particles from air. And the way that this uh, filtration works is that you have airflow coming from the ceiling and it goes underneath basically the window seat under the window. That's the path of airflow. And this 
path of airflow is laminar. That's a physics term, which means it's not turbulent. It's not like circulating everywhere and causing clouds like in those Charlie Brown cartoons where you see Pigpen and he's got a cloud of dust around him and flies and stuff. It's this very smooth flow, non-turbulent flow that carries particles out and through the HEPA filters. Now, the entire air volume of the airplane is actually changed every three minutes while you're cruising, while you're in the air and all this equipment is running. That's important, that's an important distinction. And on top of that, about 40% of the air is recirculated in the plane through these HEPA filters, and the other 60% is fresh air piped in from outside the craft. So it's a pretty aggressive ventilation inside planes. Now, we know that ventilation is part of the component of it. The other component of it is, well, Ventilation is not gonna help you. HEPA filters aren't gonna help you. If you're right next to somebody and they spew droplets that contain the virus because that virus is gonna end up in that flow getting to you, going in your mucous membranes, going in your eyes and infecting you or landing on a seat um, armrest, you're touching the armrest, you're rubbing your face. That's a lesser mode of transmission, but it can happen. So back to this uh, flight, these guys were four rows apart, right? Of the people who got infected, two of them did not report wearing masks. Now, this is the thing. Masks are often required by policy. They're not a law in the US, by the way, but they're required by policy on most airlines, but the degree of enforcement varies. And on top of that, remember that you can take your mask off and have to in order to drink and eat. And on an 18 hour flight, there's gonna be a lot of that going on. So there probably wasn't fully consistent mask wearing. I think people were wearing gloves too for some of these passengers that were infected, but a couple of them didn't even report wearing masks, okay? But the others did and still got infected. But what's interesting too is that others in those rows did not get infected. And one of the people infected was presumably infected after the fact in quarantine, because when they made the diagnoses, people started testing positive later during quarantine. And the index case who was asymptomatic, and this is often the case, actually developed symptoms. So they weren't really asymptomatic, they were pre-symptomatic. And therefore probably had a higher viral load because remember, if you're purely asymptomatic, if you never develop symptoms, but you test positive, it's likely that your viral load and your infectivity was not all that high. But if you were pre-symptomatic, in other words, you just hadn't shown symptoms yet, but you're gonna show symptoms. At that time, your viral load could be very high. You could be replicating all over the place. And that may have been what happened with this guy. So. What's interesting about this case is in Kuala Lumpur, they did a stopover. 18 hour flight's a long time, you have to stop refuel. During that two hour stopover, the power um, equipment on the plane actually was shut down for some reason, whether it was a mechanical issue or something else for about 30 minutes and they were on the ground for two hours. Remember, all that air exchange on the flight happens when the equipment is up and running. So for 30 minutes, there was no good ventilation on that plane and everybody's breathing their own stink air. And if you've ever been on a flight and you're sitting on the tarmac and you smell jet fuel and you smell farts, that's what's happening is the ventilation's not really happening. We've all been in those situations, right? Your neighbor, you're just like, damn, homie, couldn't you just like hold it in a little longer? Um, so in that setting, there was a possible, it could have been that transmission happened at that point. We don't 
quite know. But the picture that you're starting to experience here is what they call the Swiss cheese model of system failure. So where did the transmission occur? Well, if everything were going right, there are multiple layers of cheese that are protecting you. Each one has a hole or two in it where it could fail. And so if Swiss cheese one, there's a hole and you get through it, Swiss cheese two is lined up a little differently. Maybe it blocks you, right? And Swiss cheese three. But there are rare times where all the Swiss cheese and all the holes line up and you go right through. And in this case, it could have been poor ventilation. It could have been the missing link of the person not getting tested. So if he had been tested two days prior to the flight, that or he or she, that might've caught it and wouldn't have gotten on the plane, would have prevented the transmission. If the ventilation system hadn't failed on the ground, it might've prevented transmission. If the people who weren't wearing masks wore masks, that might've, if they were all wearing higher grade masks, high fidelity masks like KF94s or N95s, which as we see increasingly contagious variants emerge, those might be more uh, efficient masks. We know they work in medical settings in high-risk procedures and they have very, very good protection, right? As we start to get more vaccination and more people vaccinated, we'll have a lower threshold for infection or a higher threshold for infection and there'll be less spread on airplanes. So going back to this case, you know, people started testing positive then after the fact, one of them caught it in quarantine, which again speaks to the local sort of household transmission that's very common. And then so back to the prime question, is it safe to fly? The answer is, well, maybe and maybe not. And it depends on how many of those safety mechanisms are in place, how careful the passengers are, how well the equipment's working, how good the screening is, right? So if we're talking about recommendations, as this virus potentially becomes variant in a way that makes it a little more contagious, as we spin up vaccinations, but they're slow, it might make sense that people are more compliant with masking on flights when you're in enclosed areas. Maybe the mask quality should be higher. Maybe you ought to be double bagging your mask or using a KF94 or an N95. We'll probably do a show on that at some point. Getting as many people vaccinated as you can, doing the testing, because that's gonna be important, and then studying the living crap out of it. New Zealand did it, but guess what? How many flights in the United States do you think there were that where uh, transmission occurred, where we have no effing clue when and how it happened. Probably the vast majority of any spread that's occurred on airplanes has occurred in a way that we haven't been able to track it because we don't do the contact tracing, we don't do the testing, we don't do the study, we don't follow up, we don't do the genomic testing to see are these viruses the same. And so it's just total chaos here. But we can look at people who've done it correctly and then learn from it because believe me, man, this is still just a warm up for a pandemic that has a even higher fatality rate and a higher contagiousness. And at some point that's coming. So the other thing that may be useful is rapid antigen testing at the point of boarding the plane, because those tests often are positive only when people are highly contagious and have high viral loads. You can still have false positives, but that might be a way of that final sort of Swiss cheese lining up and saying, okay, don't get on the plane because you're actually contagious and don't even know it right? And you can follow up with real testing. So there are ways 
to fly safely. There are ways to open up again. There are ways to science the crap out of this, and we have to do it. I'm gonna put some links in the show notes to articles you can read with further links to learn more about this stuff. Please do me a favor, become a supporter of the show because it covers everything we do, so we never have to do sponsored episodes or rely on ad revenue or social media algorithms and clickbait titles. We just basically serve you with education and a little bit of entertainment. All right, guys, I love you. We are out. Peace. Become a subscriber. Click the subscribe button, then right to the right of his little bell. Hit that bell. Booyah! You get notifications. Never miss any of our stuff. I love you guys. We out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.